Hi, my name is Shannon Lee. I'm Jason Otero. And you're listening to The Slapcast. Hi, everyone. Uh, you know, I decided to switch up the structure of the Slapcast and moved any and all announcements and reminders to the end. I'm just not letting you know that, Jonathan. So we're not doing a separate intro anymore. So I need you to kind of flex. You know, we've had to flex a lot lately in this whole COVID situation. So I figured you'd be ready for it. Um, I noticed that when I listen to podcasts, though, I actually scramble past all those announcements in the beginning. And so they kind of disengage me. So I decided now um, if I'm doing that to podcasts, someone's probably doing it to ours. So I decided <laughs> let's just move it to the end. Um, some people say, oh, you're missing out on opportunities to share announcements with people. But whatever. I'd rather jump right in. And if you like what you hear, then maybe you'll stick around for an extra two minutes at the end. Uh, maybe you won't. Either way, I'm fine. Do, do what makes you happy. Um, let's get started. This month, I'm focusing on the topic of accountability. Now, when a lot of people, specifically leaders, hear about this topic, they're interested primarily in holding people accountable. And you know what? There are a few reasons holding people accountable is a challenge. But when I talk to leaders, you know, that's one of the top questions. I need to know how I can hold people accountable. And uh, managers may associate holding people accountable with some negative stuff. What has been your experience, uh, Jason, with either holding people accountable or um, being held accountable to things? Is it positive, negative, both? What are your thoughts on so, that? So, yeah, when, when you would hear someone bring up accountability, typically in the workplace, your immediate reaction is, oh, crap, what did I do wrong? Right. Or, or just say what you want. Just get to the point. What are we really getting at here? You know, well, I, need everyone, I need everyone to be accountable and um, just everyone be accountable because yeah. accountability and everyone in the room is thinking, are they talking about me? Yeah. It's like when you drop, you drop the A word and then you have complete control over what happens next. Like you say, accountability. And that almost means like I can be a jerk now. This is accountability. Like it's a real pretty word. Right. But, so it was like very fear, like instant fear. You know. Like when we switch to accountability, we're switching yeah. to now I have to be a hard nose about something. Right, I've got to right, be a jerk or right. whatever. I'm not chewing you out. I'm holding you accountable. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So this it's my different. excuse to, yeah. to not be nice. It's different. It's accountability. <laughs> well, uh, well, this points out my one of my first problems with that whole approach, and that is that humans tend to avoid negative experiences. Okay. Now I'm not saying we should do that. I think there's, you know, a lot of validity to leaning into difficult things. But when managers, supervisors, when they view accountability as a negative thing, right? When they view it as maybe conflict-ridden or whatever, they're going to, unless they're aware, they're going to avoid it. And so it seems kind of normal. So when we avoid then, quote unquote, holding people accountable, we actually create more of the problems that we wish were avoided by people being held accountable. So we actually create more of what we're trying to avoid. This is what I call using the problem to create a solution, which doesn't work. It doesn't work in math and it doesn't work in life. And so the problem is people are not being accountable. So we avoid accountability as leaders because it's a negative experience and therefore we have even less accountability. The caveat is only your top performers are actually going to remain accountable because it's just a part of who they are. 
right? And so they, there becomes a growing chasm between the bottom and the top performers. And that's not what we want. We want as many people as possible to perform well. And, and top performers view accountability as celebration. They do. They do. <laughs> Absolutely hold me accountable to my greatest successes. I'm not trying to brag like, oh, I'm a top performer. Yeah. But seriously, I, th- I love being held accountable. When, when the board says to me, Shannon, these are your objectives for the year, I'm like, ooh, yes, put my name on the scoreboard. That is not normal. And I get that that's not normal. In fact, that's why I think sometimes being in leadership can be akin to like a sickness. I mean, think about this for a second. Follow me. Use me as an example. Like, I never thought those thoughts, but as a leader, really what you're saying is I'm willing to be viewed as someone that can be emulated, imitated, followed, listened to. That, if you let that get to your head, that's kind of a sickness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't mean it that way, but if it's a part of who you are, this is normal. So the reason why I want to mention that is because for some of you listening, this seems like a duh, like of course you're going to hold yourself accountable. But for the vast majority of people, this is not what they do. This is not what they do. Now, the second reason a manager, supervisor, leader may not hold someone accountable is that they don't know how. They just don't know how. They either over or undercompensate for this lack of ability. And how that plays out is they basically overcompensate through like over supervision, right? Or what most of us call micromanagement. (laughs) And uh, they might call that holding people accountable or the opposite end that a lot of people don't talk about, which is under supervision, which is no management. And we might then excuse our actions and say, well, I'm just empowering others. Mm. And of course I'm generalizing. So I think when I think about someone telling me that they're empowering me when really they're not giving me what I need as a leader, I always, as the subordinate, if you will, although I hate that word, I would look at them and go, you don't know what you're doing, do you? Mm-hmm. You don't know what you want. You're, you know. And so I think that it's important for leaders to understand that sometimes the reason we don't hold people accountable, even if we don't view it as a negative thing, maybe we don't feel like we know how. Have you ever worked for anyone like that, Jason? Or have you ever had that experience where you kind of got the feeling that they're not really sure about this accountability thing and they might be overcompensating or undercompensating somehow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for Without me... Without naming names, yeah. of course. <laughs> I'd like to start a list here. And uh, <laughs> if you make it, congratulations. Um, no, this will be the one that goes viral immediately, you know, when you tell a story specific. But um, <laughs> I do remember in one instance... It was twofold. One, I didn't have a high enough value on accountability when you're actually being supported. I didn't know the value of it yet. Um, Two, I had a situation where I just kept feeling more emburdened than I did empowered. (laughs) And so at one point, um, as more and more things are being handed over, and and at that time, my boss was honestly trying to put more within my department. Um, I said... I just feel like there is a, a dump truck backing up and it's beep, beep, and the tailgate's lifting and I'm just standing under it and I don't know what to do with everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it didn't feel empowering at that point, but it came with a lot of expectations and accountability along the way. So yeah, I, I, I can uh, relate to that gap being there and the fear and anxiety you feel immediately when you don't place a high value on receiving that kind of accountability. So um a lot of that was me. Some of it was just like, did I get empowered there? Is, did that? It didn't feel empowering. But here's the thing. I, I'm not trying to blame your whoever that leader was. I'm not trying to blame you. 
ultimately, accountability is the responsibility of the leader. But there is a difference between holding people accountable and what we're going to get into later on in this episode as well as next time and developing accountable people. Those are two different things. But first, and I think most importantly, managers may not seem to hold folks accountable because they actually view accountability as the other person's responsibility. Mm. Maybe at one point they had a Shannon working for them, right? And, and, and Shannon holds herself accountable. And or Jason or a Jonathan. We've got Jonathan here with us, of course, as always. And that leader then thinks that that is the kind of the standard, right? Not realizing that, according to Gallup, holding yourself accountable, by the way, is an is a leadership capability. It's a self leadership capability. Gallup tells us that only five percent of people in leadership actually have innate leadership abilities. So I'm kind of making a correlation here that Gallup didn't make, but kind of go with me down this rabbit hole here. If that's true, if their findings are true, then that means 95% of us have to learn how to be accountable. Mm -hmm. So we're in the majority to learn that skill. So that means there's no shame, there's no blame. It's, It's the leader's responsibility to develop that in someone else. So the manager does not yet see the role they play. And that is where I want to focus because if as a manager, you're blaming others for their lack of responsibility, lack of accountability, your problem is externally focused. And how convenient is that? If my problem is outside of myself, guess what? Mm -hmm. Well, there's nothing I can do about Mm -hmm. it. Right. If accountability is all on the other person, then there's nothing I need to do to change. But what if as a leader, You could learn to not hold people accountable, move away from that a little bit, but instead develop accountable people. Now that puts the puzzle to be solved back on the leader. I said many, many times on this podcast, I've talked about this in the book, there are many facets of leadership that do not seem fair. Mm -hmm. And one of them is the leader's responsibility to develop other people. And maybe it's not an issue of fairness, but we want to blame others. We want to say, well, it's their lack of performance. But when we put the ball back in our own court, now we have an internal locus of control and now we get to choose. Do I want to develop accountable people or not? Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't. And maybe that means you shouldn't be in a leadership or a management role. Listen, people should be accountable, yes. But accountability is a skill that can be coached and developed and guess who has the responsibility Mm -hmm. ultimately to develop their people? The leader, the leader. Okay, so what are some ways managers of people can develop accountable people? I've got three of them. Now, the first one is super important. Set appropriate goals. I've talked in previous episodes. I don't remember the episode number. I don't know, 30-something, 20-something. I'm not sure. You've heard me talk about SMART goals before, and... When we talk about SMART goals, we are talking about a slightly different iteration of SMART goals than many people have experienced. The S is for specific. M is for motivating, not measurable. What? What? (laughs) Insert one of those. Not so smart now, are you listeners? That's right. That's right. (laughs) I'm going to explain why in a moment. That's a good way to keep them. Sound bite. Kidding. Um... A is for attainable, R is for relevant, 
T is for trackable. So how do you get rid of the measurable? Well, the specific and the trackable contain the measurement piece. And the reason why we want to use motivating for the M, replacing that in there, is because when you think about the progression of, um, I'm going to call it leadership consciousness. I just made that up. New book, new book. Just kidding. <laughs> um, maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm open to it. Um, there's been a move over, I mean, thousands of years of leadership. And when you study the history of servant leadership, you can see this trajectory. And that is a move where we start to, like, the focus is more and more on putting people first. And so that's a lot of what inspired this idea of making a goal motivating to the other person. Is it attainable for the other person? And do they find it relevant? And so the leader then establishes the S and the T, the specific how it's going to be tracked and discusses the motivation piece, if it's attainable and if it's relevant. And that becomes a collaborative process. So setting goals is not, um, and, I, I, and I'm, I've been guilty of doing this. It's not, hey, Jonathan, I need you to do this by this date and make sure it's in a spreadsheet. Okay. It might be written as a SMART goal, but to actually perform a SMART goal, you collaborate with the person that you're working with as a partner not as someone lording over them, and you create this goal together in a way, and that in and of itself makes it more motivating to them. The problem is that most managers believe that when they set a SMART goal, they've delegated and managed well. Setting an effective SMART goal is only the beginning and maybe 10 to 15% of your people's success. The remaining 75% is giving your people what they need, when they need it, in the form of direction and support. I've talked about this in the past. The SMART goal is the starting point, not where the manager lets go. It's where they begin the development process. Think about, I want you to think about, you know, Jason, I know you have kids. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about when they were learning to walk for a second. Now, I want you to go back in time and remember when Alex first pulled himself up on that coffee table and stood up and his knees were wobbling, right? And you guys are all excited. And he went to take that first step, let go of the coffee table, what happened? Um, I screamed really loudly in excitement <laughs> and I think I terrified him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they were, the wobbly, he looked at me, we looked at each other, if he could, speak in sentences at that point to me he would have been like what is happening right now <laughs> um but yeah he fell and then he went right back to the same spot and then right. got right back up and then he made a little further and then he went back to the same spot to stand up and then here we are now and running all over the place so now so think about now that's a perfect segue now if you say alex can you run in the kitchen and grab daddy a beer just kidding <laughs> Hypothetically. <laughs> Can you go to the kitchen and get me a bottle of water, right? Yes. He, you, he probably doesn't need you to coach him on the action of walking into the right, kitchen anymore, right? right? right. He's like, okay, yep. we'll be right back, Dad. You know, and then he comes back with your bottle of water or whatever, whatever other beverage. Anything in the fridge, really. <laughs> in, anything in, in, in the, the fridge, fridge you yeah. know. Yeah, a sippy cup of apple juice. Mm -hmm. um, so I know the people who work for us are not babies, 
I know they're not kids, and I'm not implying we should treat them like kids. Mm -hmm. But you would have been kind of a monster of a dad if the first time he took a step and he got scared and fell down and bumped his head or whatever, and you went, why are you dropping the ball? I'm writing you up. Mm -hmm. You are a failure. And now you're on a performance improvement plan, Mm -hmm. right? As managers, when people drop the ball and they don't do their job, especially when it's early in the learning process, and we respond in a punitive way, we have now created, now in a kid, you're you're talking trauma, right? That's therapy. (laughs) But you've taught them that it's not safe to make mistakes, Mm -hmm. essentially. And the same thing happens in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And so delegation, true pure delegation, is Alex, will you go to the fridge and get me a bottle of water? Mm And When did you tell him to do that? When you knew he could complete the Mm -hmm. task without your assistance. Mm -hmm. But what happens is we give people smart goals and think that we've delegated when true delegation only happens when they've actually mastered something. Mm -hmm. What happens before that is directing and coaching and supporting and then delegating happens. The goal alone is not enough to make someone successful. It's as ludicrous as expecting a child to say, look, watch me walk. Now you go walk and make sure you can walk by 4 p.m. tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's a smart goal. Mm -hmm. But that one and a half year old or one year old, I forget when my kids started walking. It's been so long ago. They're out of the house now. Uh, 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 uh. Um, How how old were they? Gosh, I think my son might have been 13 months or something, 15 months. Does that sound right? Sure. 12 months? Okay. So, yeah. Bella started walking, like, I don't know where when we got her. Bella months. is a dog. It's my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I don't even know how to respond to that. Okay. So, the goal alone isn't enough to make someone successful. We have to understand they're learning to walk mm-hmm. first. They're going to kind of get some bumps and bruises, make some mistakes, and our role changes as a leader along the way. And so that, all again, falls into the category of we have to set the right goal goal for them at the right time. Secondly, we have to understand the natural development process of adults. First and foremost, I think we forget, just like our kids go through developmental stages, we're still doing that when we learn new things as adults. So let's, let's chat for a minute, Jason. You've been with us for a little over a year now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, compared to, I know that it, I think it takes at least 12 to 18 months to learn a new role. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, now throw in there a worldwide pandemic, and that's a whole other level of craziness. Mm-hmm. But um, n- notwithstanding that, think about today versus 12 months ago. Mm-hmm right? There's been a learning process. For sure, yeah. Can you talk about that? You don't have to talk specifically about your role um, unless you want to, but can you talk a little bit about um, even just how you felt, how you experienced the earlier days versus today, even if you don't feel like an expert? Mm-hmm. Just kind of talk a little bit about that that right. trajectory for you. So I think a, a good filter would be environments that you've worked in in the past and then you get into and you experience a different approach to that development and you're like, realize, oh, this is very different. And so I totally worked with organizations that had this kind of handed down smart goal. And this is the goal and we will muscle our way through and it's good for you. 
you know and meanwhile i'm in this 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 space of feeling fear of like what if i don't measure up to these accountable things do i really feel motivated by this personally because i don't know that you know alignment's a big thing we talk about am i even aligned to these goals in any way does it resonate um and everybody wants to succeed, um, but we're all going to have things we need help developing, uh, being developed in. So um, early on, one of the assessments we took, the predictive index, uh, this, there are the different you know, results that you get, and I am a maverick, and like extreme maverick. Like when you look at this chart, and when I'm he off says of the extreme, chart. We mean extreme, like like the number was way right, off. Right, right. And so like, yeah, the and number's literally off the chart. It's not a bad thing. Off the charts, baby. <laughs> Boom. Um, and so like when you started to get really granular, uh, granular in the details of like, what is that going to be? What kind of work's going to be a good fit? And what are the things you're not going to naturally, you know, one of the things, shocker to anyone that knows me is like, follow up on tiny details is never something that's going to excite me. Because when I walk into a room, I want to make all new friends that are my new best friends and then do it again the next day and the next day the next day and you know it was great meeting everyone the details are like womp womp snooze <laughs> right so early on I'm working in a business development role and follow up is the key and how you track things are, are the key and so the first time I found myself feeling like oh man I, I don't know exactly how I want to do this and I didn't have a system forced upon me of exactly how it had to be done um, you just asked hey how do we want to do this and my first reaction, because of my own thinking and fear of accountability, was like, oh, what does this mean? This is coded language. How do we want to do this? How are we going to work on this together? I'm failing. I'm failing. I've been here three months, and, and I don't I really know what's going meant, on. How are we going to do this? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I realized you were just asking a question because you wanted to help. And right. so, um, so that approach... Now, when we face new challenges or we're trying to roll out new products or we're approaching things in a different world with everything that's going on, uh, when we're looking at a challenge now, something that matters that we are going to track, I actually know that we're creating something together that is going to work. And so probably the most empowering thing you did in that process was ask me, hey, why don't you just spend a little time thinking about how you want to do this? I know that sounds like the most simple thing, um, but it amazed me how many times I had never been asked that question. Yep. And so um, I'm trying to explore it, and all of a sudden I'm doing research. And when I show up with a plan, there's a level of ownership, and I'm excited about the accountability because I kind of built this plan. Yeah. And it, it felt like support. And you so, can own it. Yeah. You can own it. Yeah. So I think it, it it's been moving it out of the fear and all the, the there's nothing behind the statement. It's just genuinely all right. What do we want to do? And how do we want to get there? And how do we? And that's so refreshing to be in that type of uh, uh, an environment. And I didn't ask you that to, you know, to prop myself up. I yeah, wanted to use like, like pretty, pretty, pretty good, thank you. Um, bonus next quarter, just kidding. Yes. <laughs> we can't afford that. Yeah. Just kidding. Take that part out. Um, but. Relayleadership.com slash donate. That's right, that's right. Um, but I wanted you to share a real experience because I think that that resonates with people. I think cognitively most of us understand that we go through a learning process when we're new on the job. Mm-hmm. But I think we might forget that when even when we get new tasks and goals, we still go through the same development stages. Mm-hmm. And this is all about adult learning theory. And when we're going through each of those levels or those stages, we need different things. So when those needs are not met, then kind of like your former experiences, frustration can set in. And by the way, frustration with learning something new is normal. It's actually a sign that 
we've progressed, believe it or not. But when frustration is coupled with no or low direction, it's very discouraging and causes disengagement in people. People quit at that stage. Yes, they leave your company, but really they're leaving you. Mm -hmm. And you must understand that your people are going through these development levels and that they repeat this process with every new task or goal, no matter how long they've worked for you, your organization, or in their related field. So if someday down the line I hire a full-time, let's say, um, CFO, and that CFO has been a CFO for years, they've never been a CFO for me or for this organization. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. in many ways, they're starting at the beginning in certain areas of their skill set mm -hmm. at the first level of development. The third thing is uh, leaders who want to develop others into being accountable people, they give people what they need according to that development level, which mm -hmm. is kind of what we're building towards. Once you understand the adult learning levels, you can respond accordingly. In other words, you can give people what they need at the right time. We won't do it perfectly. I know I haven't done it perfectly, but working towards this goal of meeting their learning and development needs of task or goal will get you what you ultimately want. What we're really working towards when we develop others, which is an employee that is fully developed around a specific task or goal or even their role and is intrinsically motivated to teach others to do the same task. This, my friends, is what an accountable person looks like. They, they're the ones now coming to you saying, I've got this down. I'm going to, I'm now show it with mm -hmm. other people how to do it. I'm ready for my next challenge. Mm -hmm. This is an autonomous performer. This kind of performer is accountable for their work and performance because they automatically find that accountability rewarding. They've gone through a development process that was rewarding to them and it became intrinsically motivating. It's in a way, if we get into the neuroscience of it, that person has learned some, some like neuropathways have been created that goes, oh, this is actually kind of cool to develop this way and to mm -hmm. learn a new thing and then to figure out how to teach others to do it. So in the next episode, I'm going to provide some information and stats even on what accountability, uh, I'm sorry, what accountable people can do for you and your organization and more importantly, what it creates in them. I want leaders thinking about the benefits to themselves and their organizations, but I also, again, servant leadership, I want you to be equally, if not more concerned about what building an accountable person does for that other person. Mm -hmm. We need to care about developing this skill in others, not just because it's good for our team and organization, but because it's really, really good for our people. It's a caring act. So be sure to check back in two weeks for that second half. Okay, real quick, here are a few announcements. As usual, you can connect with us on all the socials. You're going to want to do that now because all of our programs are virtual. So no matter where you listen to this podcast from, you can join in on our programs. We are at, at Relay Leadership on all the socials. Second, consider evaluating and signing up for one of our intensives, Next Gen or Exec Gen. Enrollment is about to close, and I don't think I'll be able to announce this again because of our enrollment timelines. But for those of you who are out of town and new to this, these programs, we have info sessions set up right now for you to learn more. Okay, and you can sign up for one of those sessions by going to relayleadership.com slash nextgen. That's R-E-L-A leadership.com slash N-X-G-E-N. And that info session will give you what you need to know about these intensives. They are 10-month programs that are designed to really transform you as a leader. Finally, if you're interested in learning more about how you can create accountable people, connect with me 
about conducting a virtual learning experience for your team utilizing the most widely used management model in the world called SL2. It's where a lot of this comes from. All you have to do is email me at slapcast at relayleadership.org. Tell me you want to be contacted about SL2 and uh, we can schedule a time to chit chat on the phone or get on a Zoom. Okay, Jason, so glad you're with me. So glad to be here. I know. This is just wonderful. I mean, we never get to see each other, and here we are in person. Mm-hmm. Six feet apart. Socially distanced. Eh, is it six don't, feet? Don't look at the video. Six-ish, yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us, and check back in a couple weeks for the second part of Accountability.